Okay, I was just joking with Jean beforehand uh, when she, she put her slides on that uh, um, we have seven and a half minutes each and I have uh, four slides, two of which are uh, just a picture and she has 30 slides. Um, I'm a wordy beggar, I, I can speak with uh, uh, forever with very little uh, backdrop. So this is um, an expansion and extension of uh, a, a talk and, and an early draft paper I gave at the Computer Ethics Philosophical Inquiry Conference last year. Um, that one was called Who Owns My Device? Um, and I must apologise to Frank, he's seen, he's seen a version of this recently in, in Tokyo. Uh, and this is a, a foray into the more philosophical end of things, but it's still practical philosophy. Um, I'm looking at the, the conceptual ideas of how ownership ideas can be transferred into how we think about, how we discuss, how we regulate our use of technology and others' use of technology which impacts on us. Um, so, and there's two parts to this. First, I want to talk about ownership, and then I want to talk about a new element that I'm, I'm bringing in, which is the concept of neutrality and why we need a large set of principles of neutrality introducing in order to give reality to our expectations of ownership. So, in terms of ownership, um, for those of you who followed Game of Thrones, um, who owns me? Um, this riffs off um, Bruce's idea of, of feudal security, um, which I'll come back to in a moment. Um, if you do have to have some sort of feudal relationship um, with somebody, um, who do you want to own you? Um, and that's what Bruce's comment to some extent was, was that we seem to be in a position where we're back to having to choose between feudal overlords. Um, I'm not sure that actually I want to be owned by either of these two people even though one of them is clearly ethical and the other one's a, a psychotic monster. Um, so, stepping back from the sort of work I normally do, which is about the, the, uh, the pragmatic implications of things like regulation and, and individuals' uh, desires and, and social interactions, I'm looking at the, this question of who owns my device. What do we mean by ownership? What do I, when I say I own something, what do I actually mean by that? And there's various elements that we can bring in to decide what we mean when I say I own something. You have the philosophical basis of what you mean when you talk about ownership, which is, well, that is a relationship. You have a relationship of power over that thing, um, over that concept, because we talk about ownership not just of physical, movable, fungible objects. We talk about ownership of land. In some philosophical schools, in other philosophical schools, it's impossible to own land. Land, you have some rights, but you don't own the land. Legal conceptions. Um, possession is nine-tenths of the law. It's an old saying about, about the law. Um, an awful lot of the law is actually about who owns it. Now, the legal conception has some similarities with the philosophical conception. It's a set of rights. Ownership is not absolute. We, we figured this out centuries ago. Um, there's a, a good example of that from the early 20th century when we got um, airplanes. 
Because before that, the conception of ownership of land in the United States was that you owned the land in a, in a decreasing circle down to the uh, centre of the earth and up into the heavens. Um, and then the Wright brothers figured out how to make heavier than air aircraft. And there were arguments about whether you would need the same rights to fly an airplane over someone's land as you had to do when you bought the land in order to run a railroad through it. And the courts came down on the quite sensible attitude that there is an upper limit to your ownership of the land. We have social definitions of what ownership means. Ownership means it's yours and not mine. You have control over this thing rather than me. But we have conceptions of shared ownership as well, which we need to take into account. We have the ethical conceptions of ownership, which start looking at issues of capitalism and power and the relationship of ownership. And is it reasonable to say that something can be owned? Um, and what's the implications of that when I say that this thing is owned by somebody? There we get into questions about intellectual property, copyrights, patents. If you own a patent, you have the right to stop other people in some ways even thinking about this concept that you've come up with and registered. We have the psychological reactions. When I have a feeling of ownership of something, I have certain expectations that may or may not tie up with particularly the legal or even the social implications of what other people think. But when I have a feeling of ownership of something, I have certain expectations about that. And then we have the technological aspect of ownership, which is where I started on this journey, which is you buy one of these things and I've paid for it. In legal sense, I own it, but it's got technical capabilities that I can't use without breaking the security on it, because the person who sold it to me doesn't want me to use it for certain things, and they block that functionality. And without breaking the security, I can't make it do things that I want it to do that it's perfectly technically capable of, just that the telephone company don't want to let me do with it. And that's not something that's directly harming them with, in terms of its relationship to the network, it's just they want me to buy a separate device so that I can use my computer to download stuff off the network rather than use this, which is perfectly capable of acting as a 3G to Wi-Fi bridge. So all of these conceptions of ownership, and in many ways what I'm looking at in these areas is where these conceptions of ownership have difficulties between each other, what happens when the social and the psychological conceptions of ownership clash, or when the philosophical and the legal conceptions of ownership clash? What are the implications, in a practical sense, for where we should be going? In particular, for where we should be going in the conceptions of how we regulate the sphere of technology and human interaction with that, <laughs> and the concomitant issues that that raises, which are huge in the areas, in many areas, but in privacy and security in particular. In neutrality, we should be requiring things to be relatively open systems. So we shouldn't be allowing the lockdown of systems such that only a small portion of people can be developing the software that runs on those systems. We used to have the concept of the computers were relatively open hardware. You can put the software you want on top of that um, and the hardware can be connected to other things. You could upgrade the cards in your PC 
Now we have devices which it's very difficult to change any element of it, and we have some devices which are constantly revising their connectors so that you can't uh, even use the version of the connector for the previous iteration of the device. You have to buy a whole new connector, and anybody who wants to produce a connector to connect to this machine must go through the manufacturer and get their permission and pay them their tithe. Back to the feudal area of security. With connectivity, yes, I agree. The telco controls the network to some extent, but they shouldn't be imposing that control on the endpoint. Their control should stop in the interface between the device that I have bought, that I own, and the network. They shouldn't be able to impose their requirements on the device itself. The device has certain capabilities. Their ownership should stop at the pipe between their network and my device, not be embedded further into my device. We need to embed the concepts of choice into how we do this. We need to give people choice of devices. We need to make sure that we don't have a single ecosystem. We need to look very closely at what happens when we have issues of moral hazard. This is the question I, I raised earlier of who's the one who's deciding what your privacy setting options are. And at the moment, it's the people providing the service. And there is a deep moral hazard there because their interests and the interests of their users are very often not aligned. So we need to look at trying to create systems where there is neutrality in the choices there so that the end user can make the choice and not leave it to somebody who has a separate set of interests. And what this comes down to in the end is that we need business ethics from the companies who are involved in this area. We need to be able to trust them and slowly some of them are coming around to this idea that they need the trust of their users. Otherwise, they're going to lose those network effects that gain them their popularity because that's their reputation. But at the moment, their reputation is that they're greedy. And that's what they've got to get away from. They've got to stop being greedy and stop trying to own everything and allow us to have some choice because then they can get away from the constant circularity of the revolution of the next ownership of the marketplace. Because it's all right when you're on top, but when this wheel turns and you come round to the bottom, you rue the day that you supported things that let the market be owned by somebody else. Thank you very much.